Praise God. So excited. You know I like funny things. You know, yesterday I was reading through some things, and I come across Daniel in the Bible, and everybody knows the story of Daniel. And, uh, and this, this little quote was really funny. He said, Daniel told his real estate agent that I prefer a house without a den next time. And I thought, that's funny. I told that to my mom. She goes, Drew. I liked it. She didn't like it so much. But I want to say happy birthday to my dad. Yesterday was his birthday, and uh, Peyton said he's 79. He's actually only 77, and uh, makes a big difference. He's 77. He's got two more years to hit that 79 mark. But uh, so thankful to have my dad and my mom here today. They've been out preaching and uh, working for the Lord. Even at 76, 77 years old, working for the Lord. You know, if you're breathing God's air, he's still got purpose for you. You still have a mission to do. Amen? Praise the Lord. If you'll turn to Nehemiah chapter number one, last week we spoke about Nehemiah, and this week we're going to do the same. He's inspired me, and uh, just been reading through there, and I'm just like, man, I, I got to preach this again. It's not the same sermon, but it, it is the same man and, and same situation, so if you'll stand with me for the reading of God's word, we're going to re read Nehemiah chapter one, verse number one through verse number 11. I'm in the New King James Version, and here we go. It says, So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who kept your covenant and mercy with those who loved you and observed your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now. And that's the way we need to start our prayers, <laughs> just right there. Let your ears be attentive to us, guys. Let your eyes be open to us, and hear our prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now. Day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept your commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinance which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. If you don't know the story, this is Nehemiah. He's writing this and telling exactly what he did when he heard the news that the walls of Jerusalem was, was been, been destroyed. The gates had been burned down. Twelve gates had been burned down. And now he's praying. He's in distress about this. And this was his prayer. I want to preach to you for just a few minutes about Nehemiah's mission. Nehemiah's mission. Pray for me as I pray for you. Father, 
I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, it's the truth. It's the light. It's the way. Father, I ask you, Lord, today to let it, let it take root inside of us. Let it go deep down inside the fertile ground, Lord, that it can blossom in our lives. I ask you, Lord, to anoint our eyes and the ears to hear and to see what you want to say to us today. God, we expect you to show up in this service, Lord, and you already have. We expect you to show up in this sermon, and I know you're going to. God, I ask you, Lord, right now to anoint us with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Lord, sweep through this place. Touch each and every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Today I'm getting started a little earlier. We had a lot of going on last week, and I, I run out of, uh, of sermon. I run out of time before I run out of sermon. And so this week I wanted to get started and get back into this. And I'm not, not going to keep you long, but I think there's so much more that we need to see Last week, I went to the book of Nehemiah and found some interesting things in this story. We read about Nehemiah, that he was a Jew that lived in a Persian city of Shushan and was the cupbearer for the king. We found in Nehemiah 1 that Nehemiah received the news that the Jerusalem walls were broken down, the gates were burned, the Israelites were in great distress. I mentioned how walls represent a means of protection and security in lives, not only from wild animals, but also from your enemies. How many ever had an enemy come to you and you needed a wall in between you and that enemy? You needed a God to stand up between you two. That's what we're talking about here. One thing I didn't mention was the fact that the broken walls and burned gates was a significant, significant thing to the Israelites. It was a sign of humiliation. They were, they were being humiliated because here they are supposed to be a nation and they can't even have walls around their city. It was embarrassing. They were the laughing stock. The walls of protection were compromised. Once again, I have to say, somewhere along the line, each one of us have experienced broken walls in our life. How many is human beings in here? Pretty much all of us. You have broken walls, or if you have had broken walls in your life, can I hear an amen? It's happened. Nobody's living the perfect life right now here on earth that I know of. If you live in this life, you're going to have troubles. The Bible tells us we're going to have troubles and tribulations. But guess what? God's overcome it all. And you, because he's overcome it, we can overcome it. Amen? Praise the Lord. Broken relationships, we've had them. We've had broken walls, broken gates, broken relationships, broken dreams, broken marriages. And it doesn't matter what's broken in our life. God wants to restore to you the joy that only comes from him. I think about joy and I think about all the things that I like in this world, how I like to do this, how I like to do that, how I like to eat this, how I like to eat that. There's joy that comes in different things. I get joy when I see my kids play ball. Some of you go out to the ball field and act totally different out there than you do here. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Shelly sings like a bird in here and she screams like a crow out at the ball field. Come on, boys. She gets them. It doesn't matter what's broken in our life. God wants to restore. Billy Graham had this quote. He said, this I was made in the image of God for fellowship with God. Without God, it is miserable, empty, confused, and frustrated. Without God, life has no meaning. But with God, oh, praise the Lord. But with God, at the center there is life and inner strength and peace. A deep satisfa uh, uh, satisfaction. I'll say it right here in a minute. And an unfading joy known only to those who know Christ Jesus. 
We need to know Christ in that way. We're frustrated with life. We have things that's going on in life we don't understand. We need to know Christ Jesus. We can go to him. And guess what? This is not just for the sinner. This is for the saint. Saints have problems too. Praise the Lord. Amen. I got some amens out of it. Romans 15, 13 said, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy. I just stop right there. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Praise the Lord. Our God is a God full of hope, and he will fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God will exchange our brokenness for his hope and his joy. I need that in my life. When we're broken, that's when God likes to work. And we heard a song years ago that said, God likes to work when nothing else will. You know why? I, I just tell you why I know the answer to this one. Me. Okay, Drew, you do. God doesn't want you dependent on anything else. And God doesn't want anyone to get his glory. That's why he likes to work when no one else will. When the doctor says, well, it's finished, God says, no. The great physician steps in and healing comes with him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jeremiah 18.1. I got to reading this this week, and this made me happy, and I just had to read it to you. This may have nothing to do with the sermon, but, man, it touched me, and I think it's going to touch you. 18 and 1 says, Jeremiah 18 and 1 says this, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. How many has ever heard that story? I've heard that story over and over and over but I noticed something different this time. That tells us, I'm, I'm not going to get too quick. I'm just going to keep going with my notes. That tells us that when we're broken or marred, God will reshape our lives. Amen? He will remake us. He will make us into another vessel that he wants us to be. Well, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to be this. I want to be that. I want to be an astronaut. God says, no, you're going to be a preacher. He makes us into what he wants us to be, and he doesn't throw the clay away. I, I can't get off this. God just keeps burning my spirit. You have not disqualified yourself. We've all made mistakes. We've all come short of God's glory, but that didn't disqualify you. That just made you a human. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want you to notice that when the potter was shaping the vessel, there was a flaw in the vessel, so he made it again. We all just heard it. We just all read it. But what, it stands out, what stands out to me is the fact that the vessel was already in the potter's hands. It was a flawed vessel in the potter's hands. Can I tell you today I'm a flawed vessel, but I'm still in the potter's hands. <laughs> While in the potter's hand, the vessel was marred. Just because you may be going through a season of brokenness, you're still in God's hands. He still loves you and he'll continue to work on you. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're insulated from ever being marred. Just because you were hurt doesn't mean that you're not in God's hands anymore. Just because everything didn't go perfectly doesn't mean that you're not in God's hands. 
Don't be anxious to be put on the potter's wheel. What, Pastor? Why why would we not do it? Be anxious to be in God's hands. Be anxious to be in God's hands. Stay in God's hands and let him remold you if and when you become marred. That was my favorite part right there. I love that. I've read that verse over and over and over to realize that the potter had the, had the vessel already, but there was, a, there was a problem with it. It was marred. There was something broken about this. It wasn't right, and he just reshaped it. It didn't mean that that person was just discounted. It's just throw them away. That's it. He doesn't throw the clay away. In Jerusalem, the walls and gates needed to be put back in place for security, not to mention to be a miracle for all their enemies to see because no one thought this would ever happen again, that no one thought they could be rebuilt. The enemies loved it, that they were broken. Let me tell you, if you're born again here today, we have a security that God is protecting us. We have our faith and trust in God that no matter what comes our way, God has us in his hands. Hallelujah. And that security comes, that inner peace is what uh, Billy Graham said, that inner peace that we can have in knowing them. When Nehemiah first heard of the brokenness, he was so moved that he began to fast and pray. I told you last week, Nehemiah prayed that the king would send him to rebuild and help his countrymen. In Nehemiah 4, we read where uh, Sanballat and Tobiah was very angry when they heard that Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. They were making fun of the Israelites and the rebuilding of the walls. Brokenness and then people making fun about it. I don't even have to ask, how many has ever been made fun of? We, we can all, you don't have to raise your hand, we've all been to that place. Sometimes we get made fun of for coming to church. Why in the world do you have to go to church so much? I just need God, I guess. I don't know. I just need God. Nehemiah 4, and verse number 1, when Sanballat heard we were rebuilding the wall, he became enraged and made fun of the Jews. In front of the allies of the army of Samaria, he said, What do these miserable Jews think they're doing? Can they rebuild it by themselves? They're going to offer sacrifice. Are they going to offer sacrifices? Can they finish it in a day? Will they get the stones out of the rubbish heaps burned as these stones are and give them a new strength? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was beside Sanballat, said, even a fox would make their stone wall collapse if it walked on top of what they're building. That's some bad carpentry right there. A fox can walk across the wall and tear it down. They're being made fun of. It's humiliating. And they didn't feel like there was anything they could do. Nehemiah was in distress. And he began to pray. I didn't deal with this last week, but I wanted, to, I wanted to... This is where I'm getting to right now. I want to pick this sermon up again today. I told you that Nehemiah was first distressed, discouraged, despised, uh, or desperate, despised, and then determined. Today, I want to tell you some more things that I think is going to help us. The first thing I want to tell you is Nehemiah began to communicate with God. He began to communicate with his God. Hallelujah. When he began to pray, it wasn't all about what he needed. We get in such a habit as Christians is when we get down to pray, it doesn't matter what drives us to our knees. When we get down to knees on our knees and pray before God, we start praying for us. Normally. God, you see that bill's coming. You know it's just around the corner. God, it's... It's going to be this, the 8th here pretty quick. It's, it's going to be the 13th here pretty quick. God, you know i got a bill coming. God, you know my neighbors. 
I hate that they throw things across the fence. God, I just take that tornado right through their house, Lord, and just deliver me from them, Lord. Just You guys don't pray the same prayers? I'm just, no, we don't pray them prayers. But we pray for our own needs first. We, we get our selfishness in the way so many times when we're communicating to God. But what I loved about Nehemiah, it wasn't about him. He began to pray, but it wasn't about him. It wasn't about the camel that he needed. God, you know there's the latest camel coming out, and I really need it. Man, it's, it's, got, all, it's got everything, the bells and whistles on it. God, this is what I need. It wasn't even about that he might need a better job. You're thinking, well, he's in the palace. Why would he need a better job? He was in a very dangerous job. He was the cupbearer. He tasted everything to make sure it wasn't poisoned before it was given to the king. How many wants that job? There's a great possibility someone's trying to kill the king. Would you drink this and see if it's poisoned? Lord, would you give me a different job? Give me a broom. Give me something else. I don't want to do this anymore. Yes, he no doubt eat well. Probably had the best food they had at the time. It was a good job in that respect. But if the enemy was successful just one time, <clears throat> Nehemiah lost his job and his life. But he didn't even pray for a better job. When Nehemiah heard the news of how the brokenness of the walls and gates and how the people were enduring serious troubles and being insulted, Nehemiah fell to the ground and wept. He fell to the ground and wept. I preached a few weeks ago about David and his men returning to Ziglag and found the brokenness of their city. It was burned to the ground. Their families were taken hostage. David and his men wept until they had no more power within them to weep. David was in distress, began to cry out to God and search for answers. Here we see Nehemiah doing the same thing. He's in distress. He's discouraged. He sees the broken walls and the burned gates. And Nehemiah does the same thing that David did. He begins to cry out to the Lord. He began to weep. How many times in our life do we forget the most important things that Christians do? That should be praying, communicating, talking to our Heavenly Father. That's what we need to be crying out to God. Instead, we want to sit back and try to figure it out. How can I make this work? How can I get some more finance? How can I uh, heal my body? How can I... It's still just going to the master, going to the great, going to the creator who created us. It makes me wonder if we would continually communicate with God on a daily basis. Would we find ourselves in the situations we find ourselves in? Would these situations be different? I say yes. Things would be different if we were communicating with God on an everyday basis. If we'd ever understand that we need to hear from God more than we need to hear from everyone else in this world, life would be a whole lot less complicated. I need to hear from God more than I need to hear from the score of the football or baseball game. The Razorbacks won yesterday. That's good. They played a terrible team. That's good. We still beat them. I need to hear from God more than I need to hear from the Razorbacks. I need to hear from God more than I need to hear from the latest gossip. I need to hear from God more than I need to hear from my banker, my boss, my best friend, my parents, my children, and yes, even my wife. I love my wife, but God created me. She didn't. My wife's my best friend, but Psalms 23 once said, the Lord's my shepherd and I shall not want. Sometimes I want. I wanted pancakes the other day. I didn't get them. I wanted pancakes the next day. I didn't get them. 
The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. My mama fixed them the third day. <laughs> he makes me lie down with green pastures. By lying down in green pastures, the shepherd creates in enclosures where the sheep can rest at night and safety as well. I think of green pastures. I think in, in here in Arkansas, I think of, of the spring because now you get to the summerness of the brown pastures. Everything's burned up. But the green pasture, I think it's soft. I'm from Illinois, so I think of this long, luscious grass that we used to lay down. It was like carpet walking outside in our yard. That's what I think about. That's what the shepherd, he leads me into these green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. You know, if it was rushing waters, we'd be scared to get in it. But these still waters we're able to drink from. Amen. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Hallelujah. If I'm hearing from heaven more than all the others, then I'm in the position that I need to be in. I'm in the position to hear a rhema word from God. The, 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 word, the Greek word rhema simply means any spoken word. You know what? I need the spoken word from God. I need him to impress in my heart and in my spirit exactly what Drew needs to do. You need the rhema word in your life to know exactly what Hans needs to do, what Erica needs to do, Miss Vanetta needs to do. We need the spoken word in our lives today, that rhema word. We need to hear the spoken word of God more than we need to hear from anyone else. Any government, any president, any mayor, any governor. I need to hear from God. Any CDC, any doctor, I need to hear from God. More than us sitting around and trying to figure things out, we need the spoken word of God in our lives. Why? I'll tell you. I'm glad you asked. Because we need to receive direction from God. We need to receive from God. You know, whatever God has for your life, you need to just say, yes. I seen a movie years ago, and it's called The Yes Man. And he, they convinced him to say yes to everything. And so they'd ask him a question. He didn't want to go, Yes. Sometimes that's the way I feel it is with God. We, we don't want to do what God wants to do. And he says, we need to go this path. You need to go to that path. You need to give to this or give to that. You need to help this person or that person. We're like, mm, yes. God, I really wouldn't choose this path for me. I really wouldn't choose a health problem. I wouldn't choose a marriage problem. I wouldn't choose a financial problem. Do you know what? Sometimes... I'm not saying God puts these things on you. What I am saying is sometimes you're going through tests. It's hard to say yes to a test. I'm telling you, one time I failed a blood test. That's tough to do. They just take it out of your arm and you don't have to do anything else. Sometimes we fail at that, right, Shelly? Yep, that's right. That's a joke, by the way. That went over great. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> Praise the Lord for all the laughs. Nehemiah was weeping and mourning because of the situation in Jerusalem. He was fasting and praying. He was communicating with God. And the first thing he does, he begins to repent. You know, Christians don't like to hear repent. You know why? You don't want to admit you was ever wrong. Shelly tells me something. I do everything I can not to say, yeah, you're right. 
I'm wrong. Her phone is all messed up. Every time we go somewhere, she gets on it and do 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 and give me directions to go somewhere. And it seems like it's always wrong. Always wrong. She said, I just put the address in. It's taking you this. I'm like, I've been here a million times. I've never went that way. We're down the alleys, dirt roads and everything else. I'm like, it's right back up there. I can see the sign. And we're still going the opposite direction. We, we don't want to be wrong. That's, that's the reason why we don't want to repent. We don't want to repent. Guess what? We have to humble ourselves before God and make sure that nothing's standing between God and the answers that we're seeking. Nehemiah repented and said, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinance that you've commanded. He confessed Israel's sins. He confessed his father's sins. He confessed his own sins. He wasn't leaving anything to chance. He wanted God to hear him and answer his prayers. Nehemiah was communicating with God. Nehemiah's prayers were answered when the king sent him to rebuild the walls and restore the gates. And we, we talked about that last week. The next thing I've seen in this that we find Nehemiah and what he did after communicating with God, he began to evaluate. He began to evaluate. Nehemiah was on a mission to rebuild the walls and the gates, and when he arrived, he began to evaluating. He went out and began to look to see the damage and the destruction and just how bad things really were. Things were bad. Things were rough. The walls were torn down. All the gates were burned. It's really not that hard to look around and see the shambles this world is in, is it? Anybody watch news ever? You'll find out real quick. I don't watch the news, but it'll pop up on my, uh, on my phone every once in a while and give me a headline here or there. Brother Scotty and I were talking one time. He said he's amazed at all the news companies. That they said, here's what you need to know. And we're just little, I don't know, puppets, zombies. I don't know what we're on. We're just like, what do we need to know? Wow. Florida has hurricanes. Well, they tell you what you need to know. They're trying to shape your opinions. Anybody get that? You, you understand that? Okay. We, we need to be careful what we're watching. Absolutely need to be careful. <clears throat> I lost, got off track there. I don't. It's not hard to see the shambles this world's in, but more specifically, sometimes it is hard to see the brokenness in our own lives because we think, the Bible tells us that every, every man thinks he's right in his own eyes, so it's hard for us to see that we might have a problem that we may, may be doing something wrong. I try to evaluate all the time. What, what am I doing wrong in this area? What am I doing right in this area? Uh, they encourage you in, in, in Bible uh, classes and everything. Watch yourself on video and listen to yourself. Auto, you can do it. I was like, I can't stand to do that. I don't like looking in the mirror, let alone watching a video or listening to myself speak. But they say you need to do that. But so many times we don't want to do that because we see the flaws. We see what's wrong. We see what's going on. And we start looking at our own lives. Sometimes we see some brokenness that we haven't dealt with. We see brokenness sometimes in our own lives that we haven't dealt with. We need to take inventory and evaluate what we're doing. As a church, what is broken and how do we fix it? This is what I do all the time. The staff will tell you. The deacons will tell you. If it doesn't work, I want to stop doing it. I don't want to put any effort to it. I don't want to put any finances to it. Whatever's working, whatever's leading people to Christ, whatever's building the kingdom, that's what I want to be involved with. We need to evaluate everything that we're doing. Ultimately, it's through God and his leading, but we have to work. We have work to do after we evaluate. 
Nehemiah evaluated the damage, counted the cost, and realized he needed God's continual help to do what needed to be done. <coughs> Number three, after seeing the brokenness, Nehemiah elevated. He elevated. He got up and got to work. Nehemiah 2 and 17 says this, Then I said to them, You see the distress that we're in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a, repro a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been a good upon me. Hallelujah. And also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to the good work. Once we evaluate things and we know exactly the direction we're going in, the things that we need to do, now it's time to get up. In a simple word, it's time to get up. He elevated himself. Nehemiah elevated himself. He got up, realized the work that he had to do. But not only that, he went to speak to the people. To this point, he hadn't told anyone what he was doing. The king's papers kind of described what was going on, but the people there in Israel didn't know why he was there. I'm just giving you a little information. They didn't know yet. At that point, then he told them, God is on me. God's spirit is on me. Here's what we're supposed to be doing. Nehemiah brought the people together with one mind to do the work that needed to be done. They elevated. They got up and started working. It was all of them. This wall and this city. They lived all around this city, all, all inside this wall. They all started working on this wall. If you ever read the story, just start reading Nehemiah. It's not a very long book. You'll find out these stories are true. I'm not just making this stuff up. But their houses were right there in front of the gates, in front of the walls. And, and some of this, really, I, I start reading and thinking, well, why didn't they do this sooner? They needed somebody to lead them. They needed somebody to stand up, recognize the brokenness, communicated with God first, but he recognized the brokenness, evaluated what needed to be done, and then he got them all together to get to work. Some of them just going out the front door, walking up to the gate and working. I'm like, why haven't you already done this? I'm just, just saying. Let me ask this. What would happen if we all was to get up? I'm talking about TFT now. If we'd all get up and start working towards the same goals. Oh, my. If we all started working towards the same goals, we need to elevate, church, every one of us. Everybody has a job. I said it a minute ago. If you're breathing God's air, he still has purpose and work for you to do. You're not off the hook. I got saved. That's the end of it. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to heaven. Praise God. That's just the beginning. You're called to go. And to share the good news. There's work to be done. Trinity Faith Tabernacle must exist to touch the lives of those who are broken. We must care enough to pray and to do something about it. Nehemiah not only prayed and fasted, but he got up and started doing something about it. Nehemiah was so moved that he began to fast and pray for the brokenness of Jerusalem. He communicated with God. He elevated or excuse me, he evaluated the brokenness. He elevated and inspired others to elevate with him. We've got to be willing to stand up and start doing what God's called us to do. Amen? I pray that we'll be so moved that we'll begin to fast and pray for the brokenness of our world and our community and our city right here in Greenbrier. Right here in Greenbrier. God placed TFT and every one of you in this place to help rebuild the walls that are broken down, the burned gates. God's had called us to a broken society, and we need to stand up to the call. God placed Nehemiah in position to do something, too. God often places people in strategic positions in order to accomplish his purposes. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I come into this town 30-some years ago. 
never intending to preach, never intending to stand before people week after week and preach God's, God's word. God could give me a talent to play guitar. I thought, boy, he'd give me a talent, and that's what I'll use for him. And I used it all my life, traveling, evangelizing, playing guitar. Never thought that this would be what I would be doing. Everybody understand that? I've, I've said this before, so it's not something new. But God strategically placed me here for a reason. I had no idea. You've already been strategically placed in years past, connected to people you had no idea why you're connected to them. There's people right now in this community I'm connected to have no idea why. Don't want to be connected to them. And I'm connected to them. There's some individuals I'm connected to. I met a youth one time, and I seen him, and he was telling jokes. He was going crazy. He had cuts all over his arms, and, and he was just big fuzzy hair everywhere. And, and, and God spoke to me. He said, you're connected to him for life. I was like, what? And I started looking at him, listening, and it just immediately started falling in love with him. And I went up to him, and most of you know Tyler Whitfield. And I said, Tyler, first time I met him, I said, me and you are connected for life. He looked at me and said, what in the world are you talking about? I said, God's got us together for the rest of our life. I'm still in contact with Tyler. Tyler's still part of my life. There's a reason God's connection. There's other people. Brandon's a part of my life. When, even when he's out doing whatever he's doing, I run into him in places. I shouldn't run into him. Eating in a restaurant, all of a sudden he walks in. It's God. It's nothing that I'm doing. I'm connected to him. God specifically puts us in place to connect with people to heal brokenness. He also puts us in specific uh, uh, situations and places and, 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 and connections in our lives for the ministry of the gospel. You're not working at McDonald's by accident. You're there for a purpose. You're there for a purpose. Years ago, I became a, a part of baseball here in town. For 13 years, run the baseball program. There was a reason for that. I thought I just loved the game of baseball. There's connections now all through the years that has blessed this church. It's blessed the ministry. It's blessed the gospel. As we went out to preach, I've had people stand up and say, hey, I want to help you with this stuff. There was a reason the connections that I had. There's a reason the connections you have right now in your life. You need to start realizing and don't discount the connections that you have. We see Nehemiah right here, the cupbearer, would taste the ruler's food in order to see if it was safe to be sure that it wasn't poisoned. Political assassinations were very common in them days. And the job of the cupbearer was an enormous responsibility. I can't imagine applying for that job. Cupbearers often became trusted confidants of the rulers they served. It wasn't by chance that Nehemiah was in the position that he was in. He was where God planted him. You're thinking, man, am I where God's planted me? You need to look around. God's planted you in a position for his purpose. His steps, Nehemiah's steps, they were ordered of God. Psalms 37, 23, the steps of, good, of a good man are ordered of God, and he delights in his ways. As a believer, your steps are ordered by the Lord. You're not where you are by accident today. I could tell you in another little story. How about uh, Jonah? You remember that little story? A little fishy story. Comes along and God tells him what to do. And what's he do? He runs away. I can tell you right now, you can run all you want, but you can't hide from God. 
You can run all you want, but you can't hide from God. He's called you something to do. You might as well get busy at it. Don't wait for the fish to swallow you and spend three days in the belly of a whale. Well, that's just far-fetched. They have documents that these things still happen. These people getting swallowed by animals and it happened. It's crazy. This is what happens. We've got a plan. God has a plan for each one of us. We might as well get in line with his plan. What position and responsibility do you hold that might be useful to what God is doing in our church, in our city, in our world today? You need to think on some of these things. God's placed our church here in Greenbrier for a reason. To my knowledge, I don't think there was a Pentecostal church in Greenbrier, someone that believed in the power of the Holy Ghost in Greenbrier until they started this church. This church started right out here, I believe, in a double wine because they needed a Pentecostal message here in Greenbrier. We're here for a purpose. There's lives at stake. Eternity is on the line, and the church must act. We must act. Nehemiah was only a part of God's plan. God not only used Nehemiah, but several average, ordinary, everyday people to do the work, and they united. I love the word united. They united. There was unity with a common goal. Unity with a common goal. It is amazing what can be accomplished when God's people work together. When God's people work together, it's amazing what can happen. History shows that the greatest achievements of humanity have been accomplished by teams and communities working together. If we're to get going to impact our community for the Lord, it's going to take teamwork. And this leads me to my final point. Nehemiah, he communicated, he evaluated, he elevated, and then things accelerated. It's going to take the body of Christ all pulling in the same direction, coming together as one mighty army to reach the brokenness in our community. It's going to take the body of Christ coming together to penetrate in the storm, to inflict damage on the gates of hell. You know, I'm all for repairing things. I'm all for doing that. But there's a protection part that comes in too. I'm all for storming the gates of hell and taking back what the devil stole from us. It's going to take the body of Christ coming together. Nehemiah understood the power of community. Everyone did their part. If you just skim through chapter 3, you're going to see a word there. Skim through to chapter 3 of Nehemiah. You're going to see one word you're going to see over and over and over. And it's going to say, next to. Next to. Next to. You think, what is next to? It's this person was next to this person working, and this person was next to this person working, this person was next to this person working, on and on and on, next to, next to, next to, until the whole city, they were working on the walls. That's unity. That's unity. Look around who's sitting by you right now. That's next to. I'm going to team with Brother Scotty, Brother Jackson, Sister Shelley, Sister Metza, Brother Andrew, Sister Sam. Next to, next to, next to. This one was working next to that one, and he was working next to the next one, all with a common goal to see the work of the Lord completed. The walls were broken down, and enemies could easily attack. And so they had to get to work. Wild animals could easily come in and hunt and kill. The walls needed to be repaired, and they needed cooperation to make it happen. Now, I, I put this thing, kind of things in there because I believe God's calling us 
to do a greater work. And I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to give you something very profound right here. When God calls you to something deeper, there's two decisions to make. You can either follow God or you get out. You say, Pastor, are you kicking somebody out? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's human nature. We either fall in line or we go our own way. When God calls us to a deeper walk, we need to follow in line with him. He knows the best things for our life. He understands exactly what we need in our life. And if we're not doing what he's called us to do, we're in trouble. And if you say, well, I, you know, I can't do this, can't do that. I, I don't feel like this, that. By doing all that, you're still just doing things your own way. Now, that may be a tough part of the sermon. I didn't expect a bunch of amens at this part. But at the same time, I want you to understand when God's calling the church, he's calling you too. Oh, here at church, if he's calling the church, he's calling you too. He's placed you here. You're here for a specific purpose. He's called us to get to work. Praise the Lord. He's called us to get to work. When we work for God, we do it alongside one another with the same goals and purpose. It's powerful when you think of what the next two really means. When you can depend on that person next to you. I know in war, they're down, you know, they got their holes dug and they're fighting. I watch these war stories. I wasn't in the army. I don't know anything about it. But I see them, they're next to each other, and they're fighting for each other. They have each other's back. They're fighting the enemy back. We've got to have that next to mentality and understand. Goldsmiths, perfume makers, rulers, priests, merchants. The Bible even says one guy had his daughters out there working. I heard one preacher say it, and I read it for myself in the Word. The first one that was out there were the priests. The priests. The pastors. First ones out there working. I believe all ages, both male and female, were doing their part. Everyone, everyone is valuable in God's kingdom. Everyone is valuable. We, we need to understand it. it's not about me. It's not about Shelly. It's not about who's sitting on stage and who's sitting in the pews. It's about doing God's work, God's purpose, rebuilding walls, rebuilding gates that he's called us to build. Women are as valuable as men. Teenagers are as valuable as adults. No matter your race, history, handicap, or family, every person is as value in the next two in God's kingdom. Amen? Your role is of the utmost importance. Shelly, would you come back? We need to let the Holy Spirit be our spiritual gatekeeper because when he stands there, we have security and protection. And you say, why did you throw that in? I think so many times that we don't have a gatekeeper. We're just kind of floating around. We need to understand God needs to be the gatekeeper. And we talked last week about the gates and how it was for security. And the gatekeeper would sound the alarm if enemies were coming. We need God to be our gatekeeper. We need to be attuned in tune with what God's wanting to say to us so that we have that security and protection from him. We must place our trust in God and let God secure our home and our lives being careful who we let in and who we let out. Not allowing negativity, hopelessness, frustration, doubt, and worry into our life, but instead we must allow the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit in, which gives us love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, and temperance. Would you stand with me today? I want you to know that I love you today. So happy that you're here today. But every week we come together on Sunday and Wednesdays, and I come for one, one thing and one thing only. Not to dress up, not to comb my hair, not to not wear a hat. 
I come here expecting God to do something in my life. I come here expecting God to do something in your life. And when we have an altar call, there's only one reason. It's not out of habit. It's for one reason. For God to touch your life. Many of you sat through this whole sermon today not paying attention, half asleep. God's trying to talk to you. He's trying to minister to you. He's trying to get your attention. I'm going to tell you what. Let the preacher get your attention because you don't want God getting your attention. What I'd like to do today is if you'd gather around these altars, we're going to stand here in just a minute. We're going to be praising the Lord and singing. If you feel like kneeling, that's fine. But if you want to stand here, I want to pray for anyone that needs prayer today. If you have a need in your life and you need prayer, I believe it's the Word of God, and we know it is, to lay hands on you, anoint you, and believe. To call on the deacons and the elders of the church to do that, that's, that's the Bible. We want to do that. But also, if they will go ahead up there in the booth, start scrolling the names of the people that need, need us to pray for them today. I want to seal this sermon in our heart, but I also want to pray for these needs. And this is a great time to do it. Would you come tonight? Come today?